Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all gonna laugh at you. You're listening to the Jersey Cool. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. Right, and tonight, oh my goodness, kick it back three years ago, because I think that was the last time these two knuckleheads were on this show. Oh my god, the what's up was so high-pitched today. Thank I love you, it. yeah. It trailed up in our Oh, I was, I full-on, like, read with it like Christina Aguilera for you. <laughs> <laughs> Joe and Charlie Costal. Yay. Joe, hi, We're everybody. So happy to be here. You know what's so ironic? The Shining is on right now. Yeah. And The Shining was the first Jersey Ghouls episode I did. Yeah, and you guys. arguably one of my most controversial. Really? Yeah, well, oh, hot take. I, I, I hated <laughs> Kubrick's version. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot that. Um. So anyway... First of all, I just want to give a quick shout out here because I'm so excited to announce that Charlie Costal has just been green lit on his newest show, the early, early show with Charlie Costal. Now, you may think the late, late show is where it's at, but oh no, no, no. You want to get up at the crack of dawn and you want to check out the early, early show. Charlie, what's what's this going to be about? Better question. What is it not going to be about? (laughs) That's that's all that's, I have to wow, say so wow. far. That's, that's all they're letting me say. No that's show true. is yeah. ever greenlit on that premise. <laughs> there are a lot of gag orders involved, I hear. Um, and also we have with us Joe Costal, who is author, poet, this year's Pushcart Prize nominee for his short Puncher, Americana, and Fake Ash Jordans, which that was the only kind of Jordans we ever owned in the Costal house. <laughs> But um, we, more... didn't, we didn't even come close to real Jordans. No, I mean, oh my yeah. God. Whatever Payless brand I, was, that's what we wore. I legitimately had a pair of pro jogs from Fava Shoes that I well I got us. Yeah. And that's what To that go with your Luke from. Perry folder. <laughs> <laughs> that she also got you, yeah. She got me a yeah. men. Jackie, did you know this story? I, I don't think so. Me a men of 90210 trapper keeper. Yep, I was here Wait for, for it. it when I was heading into my junior year of high school. <laughs> nice. I enjoyed that trapper keeper. <laughs> nice. Um, Dude, well, she knew. She knew what was up. She did. She didn't speak much English, but she knew what was up. She ahead was, of her time. She was hip, bro. Um, and she. <laughs> she would, you know, Willa was woke. Sexuality <laughs> fluidity way before it was fashionable. <laughs> she was. She was woke. And uh, you can find Joey at JoeCostal.com. You could also check him out at MurphyWriting.com, where in October he will be running a beginning your novel. Uh, three-day workshop three-day workshop that's right because so far all i've got is it was the best of times it was the worst of times it's a good start oh my god i think i'm there (laughs) dare i say i'm ready for like level two it's a good Um, opener right good line all right so jackie what are we covering tonight we are finally covering the blair witch project and Mm -hmm. book of shadows blair witch 2 god definitely the lesser of the two but i'm super excited because while Book of Shadows may not hold up after all these years, I still say that Blair Witch, the original Blair Witch Project, is it's it's in like my like my top probably top fifteen. Wow. Okay. I I, I really like it. I actually bought Charlie on today because I'm curious to see if the young hip kids of today are even remotely. And he's not hip, but you know we'll roll but with it. Young. But he's young, so we'll yeah we'll take. <laughs> 
He's the only uh, 16 year old I know, 15, 14, 13, nine. Um, he's the only 15 year old I know that's willing to come on the show. So he's going to be our voice of the new generation and to tell us whether or not it still holds up today. Okay, fair enough. Now, I do want to take a little page out of, um, um, oh, crap. You know what? I forget what I was going to say there. Never mind. Okay. No, what I want to ask is for Joe and Marissa, what is your, what is your experience with Blair Witch? Like, what was your initial thoughts when it came out back in 99? So I... Back in 99, when Blair Witch came out, I was totally bamboozled by it. I, I'm not ashamed to say that I bought it 150%. Me too. I, at one point, convinced myself that I had heard that story some, <laughs> um, and, and, thought, and was telling people for sure that I remembered that that happened. Um, so and that sounds very silly now, I realize. But looking back, I mean... And we'll probably cover this later. Like this is this may be the most brilliantly marketed movie ever, right? Yes. Yeah. It, this is way before the found footage genre, and they really did market this movie as a documentary when it came out. So, and I bought it. I bought it completely. Now, unfortunately, because I was so obsessed with the idea of the movie, I spoiled it for myself before I went to see it at the theaters. But I remember really liking it anyway, even though by the time I got to the movie theater, it I knew it was fake. I still saw it one i think i saw it twice i think i really badly wanted you to go yeah too. I, t- I think i i think i went once and then i tried to get you and i might have gone together and it was my, my second or third viewing of it yeah and it's and see i you didn't spoil it for me because it scared the pantalones off of me um and i did not know it was fake until probably years later in <laughs> fact i just learned three days ago no just kidding <laughs> um no i definitely like i was scared beyond belief when it first came out um jackie how about you you know, I, I had the same experience, and I think I've told this story before on the show. So, yeah, the movie comes out in 1999, and shout out to my friend Carl, who I know listens. So, okay, so this is also something, this is, this is how back in the day this was. Do you remember back in the day when movies would have, you know, limited release and then, like, their nationwide release? There was no more of this, like, Thursday night at midnight and the movie just opens. Yeah. I know that they, because I remember the commercials, it would be like, you know, you know, the 15th in select cities, 22nd, you know, everywhere. So my friend Carl and I actually went to Philly to see this movie when it was in limited release. So we go, it's real. It's 100% real. And... Being from New Jersey, I was like, oh my God, we have the Jersey Devil. I had no idea that Maryland had had their own urban legend. I'm like, I guess this is like the Jersey Devil. I got super excited. We get home from the movie theater. The first thing I do is go on to like Blairwitch.com and the missing poster comes up and there's all this news footage of the missing kids. And I'm like, I'm shitting myself because I go to bed that night and I'm like, we have to plan a trip to Maryland. Like, I have to go. I've never heard of this Blair Witch before. We got to go to Burkittsville. Like, we're going to do this now. And obviously, we never made the trip. But I was still quite convinced that it was real. And then I think, like, a month or two later, I saw Heather Donahue on Leno or Letterman. And I was like, motherfucker, it was fake. Right. <laughs> she got me. They got me. I got, yeah, I was a believer. And it's hard for anybody to think of to know unless you were our age at the time at this time to know what it was like to go on blairwitch.com to get information mm-hmm. because the, the internet was really in its earliest it's most infancy. formative days yeah and you you didn't even think about misinformation like or somebody purposefully trying to send you in a wrong direction there was no discussion about credibility like people were not aware at all about checking the credibility of websites and and the internet was a lot more difficult to navigate. Like there, there was no, there was no Google, right? No. In 1999 yet, or there, there was, was no Pornhub. We weren't using it. <laughs> be amazed at what I was doing in 1999. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's a different story. Yeah, we had we had no reason to doubt anything on the internet then, because a it took forever to get on, mm-hmm. so it was well worth the wait yeah. of having to kick a sibling off the phone. Um, and then go through the whole fucking dial-up process, which, oh my God, how many times did you get like one screen away on AOL when it had the three little screens? 
you'd get to the middle screen and you'd think any minute now it's going to hop to that third screen and then you're on and then it would kick you off somewhere in the middle screen you have to start all over you have to go find another one of those 99 free aol hour discs that you get in the mail every fucking week it was a nightmare to get online i mean i was what that was the year that was the summer that i graduated high school so i'm 17 years old when this comes out and yeah no reason to believe it was fake the marketing on this is Brilliant. it's it's insane what they did they really i you know looking on imdb this is one of the most heavily triviaed entries i've ever seen on imdb like it goes for pages and one of the things that i read and again who knows if it's true or not because it's the internet but people actually were sending sympathy cards to heather donahue's mother because they saw this they saw the whole missing person thing and they thought she truly was she truly was missing um right it, and it also speaks to the phenomenon of not knowing about old shit so like stay with me for a second in 1999 it was possible to not know about old shit like because you didn't have the the wikipedia like constant amount of information you didn't have spotify where every song was available you didn't know how to get archived newspaper coverage of every event that's ever occurred so sure. what was cool about the 90s for those of you listening who don't know is that we would we would be like remember this thing and we'd have to sit around and be like yeah i think i remember hearing about that and i think i remember seeing it in the summer of 1999 i was graduating college and heading into my student teaching semester. Oh, and, and like, you know, it was a time when you just didn't, you didn't necessarily know crap. You didn't know about crap. It was very easy to be like, a bunch of teenagers died in Maryland 10 years ago. Remember that? You'd be like, oh yeah, vaguely, yeah, yeah maybe. So, I mean, it's just, there was no checks and balances like there is today. And, and yeah, and it's, it's also worth saying, like, not only are these guys like the origin of fake news in a weird way. In a weird way, right. But I think you're right. I think back then we were so naive, which begs the question, could this happen today? Could we, um, could somebody Blair Witch us today, you think? The young are saying no. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think with today's technology, with today's internet, I don't, I don't think it would ever be believable that this could happen again. I, I would be, it would be so, I'd love to see it happen. It would be so insanely impressive if we could get Blair Witched in 2020. But I, I don't think that it could happen. I think there's just, there's too much internet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I hear what you guys are saying, but I, I mean, I teach, so I teach a course in research methodology at, at Stockton University, plug, plug. But the, you know, my students, they're very easy to fool because there's so much information. There's so many channels for them to look for stuff. They're usually pretty satisfied with one or two places. <laughs> I think you kind of can get Blair Witch today only because information is so niche now that like you could get people going to one place yeah. enough to fool them on that platform one good Wikipedia for maybe article. long enough yeah. to, to meet Well, no, you know what? I'm going to agree with you because, you know what? A show of hands, when you Google something, whoever goes to page two of Google, right, right. <laughs> you a... go through the, you click all the links on that first page, and if it's not there, you Google something else, or you rephrase your Google. How many people actually go to page two of Google? Very true. Exactly, yeah. So it's like, the way you would get Blair witched, so to speak, would be different because you could almost manipulate all of the media. To, there's so many channels now, it's almost like none at all. So in a weird way, you might not have been able to Blair witch someone t 10 years ago, but I think you could do it now. You know what? And, and now that I'm thinking about it, it, it has already happened. Um, there is something on uh, YouTube and it's, it's actually, it's YouTube, it's Reddit, it's Twitter. Um, ARGs are extremely popular. Um, and when you've got these, I'm pretty sure that's, don't quote me, I'm augmented alter reality games or, yeah, I think it's altered reality games where there is this series of, of videos that will go up. And within the videos, you actually can find you know, source codes or messages and things like that. And if it's a really good one, it will connect with also Twitter that will have Reddit posts and everything is connected. And with some, you have a hard time distinguishing if this is, if there's actually things like, is it real? 
or is it an ARG? Or is it some sort of like performance art? Like off the top of my head, there are a couple uh, cool ones that I've, I've watched and I've learned about. Um, one is called Hi, I'm Mary Mary. And it's about this girl that wakes up and she really doesn't remember much. She knows she's in her parents' house. She knows she's by herself, but she cannot leave. And then like kind of spooky shit starts to happen and things like that. And, and there's this other one where the, I don't know, I could keep going with these cause I watch all these friggin' YouTube channels that like deep dive into this shit. But you know what? I think it, I think now saying all of that out loud, I think we can get Blair witched. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Jackie. In a way, I, what I feel like you're saying is that we're being Blair witched in so many other facets of life now because the message is the reality. Right? A trombo is the Blair Witch. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not being political only. But what I'm saying is that, like, you know, now it's like if, if enough sites are saying that three kids died in Burkittsville, Maryland, mm-hmm. three kids died in Burkittsville, Maryland. Because yeah. the, re- the message is what's real. And, and, and so in a way, like, I'm, I'm going to just, just to kind of move into the, the movie. I, this movie held up a lot more for me today than I thought it would and I watched it a bunch of times when it came out I don't think I watched it since and I was very surprised at how much I a enjoyed it and b thought it really stood up and and in a way it felt like a different movie in 2020 Mm -hmm. and I don't want to get into that too much but I think it almost has a different resonance now and I think even the idea of what's real and what's not is so much more skewed than it was in 1999. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think this, in a way, looking, juxtaposing it in 1999 versus 2020 is interesting, even just looking at, like, what indie film meant in 1999 versus what indie film means today. Like, we're talking writer and directors Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez make this movie for, like, $35,000. Until recently, it was one of the highest uh, grossing indie films of all time. It's still in the top five. They took these actors, they threw them in the middle of the woods, they made them film most of their own work. Like, when they weren't directors in any true sense of the word, these kids did most of this work. Um, I, I think that stunt and that idea of, like, let's take a bunch of kids and put them out in the woods was so revolutionary at that moment. I mean, this did not, def- like, they didn't create found footage, but they certainly bought it to the forefront of horror in that moment. They certainly opened that Pandora's door, uh, opened that gate that's definitely been opened since that day i would argue you know yeah um so i think you're right i think there's a difference between 1999 blair witch and 2020 blair witch but the question before we get into that and like into our feelings on the film i gotta know only in 2020 you watched this film charlie what's your take is this scary um it i at no point was i scared okay but it was a very tense movie and it was i don't know I almost don't know how to feel about it hmm. because it it was it was kind of a hard movie to watch because a lot of it was just like the performance if you know what I mean and it was like it was the like how scary it is to be lost hmm. was more what I was scared of than the Blair Witch so in the middle cuz my wife was making cookies <laughs> and we stopped to eat cookies and we paused it and also, we put the babies to bed, right? So I put the little ones to bed. And Charlie goes, ay, la bruja. I said, and, I said, and I quote, and I said, oh, no me gusto la bruja. Right. Because at that point, you didn't know you weren't going to see a witch yet. I thought, yeah. And I think that you were scared more than you, like, not that you were scared, but that you, it was tense. Yeah. I think in the middle of that movie, he had a moment where he was like, oh, crap, this movie's better than I thought it was, scarier than I thought it was. I don't know if the ending holds up for today's audiences. <laughs> Whereas for us, I felt like, see, I don't, Jackie, wh- I don't know. Do you uh, like yeah. that we don't see the witch? You're a big fan. I love that we don't see the witch. That's, I, to me, is one of the reasons why this movie gets set apart. Yeah. Is because it I, is, it's, it's an anxiety ride. Like, you know, from, from the moment that things start to unravel for these three, you, om- like, you you're taken along. Like, you go for the ride with them. You are feeling tense with them. There are definitely points. Like, my, my favorite part is when they're in the tent and the tent starts shaking and they just start running. And then you hear Heather scream, this ungodly scream. She says, what is that? What the fuck is that? And you would think that they're going to show what the fuck that is, that they're so afraid that they're running from. But they never, ever show it. And to me, 
you know, they describe what the Blair Witch looks like, but you, what's in your brain is always going to be scarier than what they actually show you. So I think that it is, I think that it aids the film. Um, I think that it, it leaves it at a very, I don't want to say open-ended kind of situation of, of like what she looks like or what could be happening, things like that. Um, Cause obviously at the end we know what happens to them, but from, from them running away, uh, the for me the absolute worst part is when Heather finds the uh, the the Josh bundle. Like that's just my my I my even to this day I've seen this movie so many times. I own it. I love it. I still get a tense feeling in the pit of my stomach when she opens that bundle. So not so fun fact. Well, I guess fun fact about the scene where Heather runs out of the tent and screams, "Oh my God, what the fuck is that?" Is that the directors put one of like the assistants in a creepy mask and hid him in the woods so that when she jumped, when they all went running out of the tent, his instructions were to jump out and scare them all. So that was a hundred percent real for her. Um, she literally was like, what the fuck is that? Because was not expecting a creepy guy in a mask and a cloak in the middle of the woods. Um, and they did that kind of shit to these kids. They messed yeah. with them. They let them, uh, allegedly the, it was so tense. They gave them less and less food every day. They messed with these three kids a lot more than I think they realized that that they were signing up for. Uh, Heather Donahue very famously talks about how she bought a knife on set with her because she was so creeped out by sleeping with these two strange men in a yeah. tent. Um, and that so comes through, right? It does. And, and that but comes through in a way it has to. Right, it's guerrilla filmmaking that would never happen to today. No, it's because it does. It gives you that icky yeah. feeling when you, it's almost like watching The Shining and realizing it, how much they did, how much damage they did to Shelley Duvall. It's like, am I uncomfortable now seeing the scene knowing that people were put through trauma to get there? Well, I, yeah, I think we're, we're, we're digressing into so many different areas. But yeah, I think there's an amazing connection to what they did to Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Because I would say Heather Donahue is right up there mm -hmm. in that pantheon of like, Women amazing performance but but at achieved cost? at a questionable right. through questionable she methodology says that she used to cry for like they made her do the take with the famous oh i'm so scared for like six times and she said every time she would cry for hours afterwards right like that's so like, she was legitimately emotionally yeah. like where does the acting stop <laughs> right you know kind of thing like how much of that was acting <laughs> i mean like you said and how much of that is an actual gut reaction to what is happening the complexity of that is, is that I believe in my heart that there are only two reasons why we're sitting here having this conversation. One, if they had ever shown a Blair Witch, we wouldn't be talking about this movie today because the Blair Witch would not have held up. It, it would have been nearly impossible for the Blair Witch to have held up. True. And I think that then the movie becomes about this major letdown at the end and the Blair Witch just was, you know, wasn't, just like say you get people saying it's boring, and it's, but. That I think the I think they have to not show the witch or or the movie doesn't hold up. That's Two, those performances have to carry that film, and I don't know that we're talking it, the complexity. And I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it's okay that they did that. I'm saying had they not, it it's been questionable that we're still talking about the movie because when I watched it last night, I watched I rewatched it last night. She blew my mind. Her performance just shook me to the core. And the truth is, I saw it so much differently than I did oh God, than in 1999. Me too. Me too. And I kind of feel like, okay, I don't know. I have to, so I'm going to throw my cards out there. Jackie, I know you love this film. Joe, I know you're a fan. I like it. Yeah, um, I really... Charlie, you're maybe a little more into it than you want to admit. <laughs> He's just no. Like, he, I don't know how he feels. He's yeah, very ambivalent. He is. Yeah. You know what? You got to tune into the early, early show to get the real truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I know. He's holding <laughs> out for his own program. But at the end of the day, like I. I watched this in 2020 and it made me feel icky more than anything because of like, okay, first of all, the way these guys treat this girl, this movie to me is reprehensible in 2020. In 1999, I was fine with yeah. it. It's right? <laughs> <laughs> so and funny because it's, it's sad, but it's true. Jackie, even you said you had notes about the feminist, pro the problematic feminism in this film and that's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> I did know because you texted me and you're like I have this idea about how this is a feminist movie and the whole nine and I was like well that's funny because I actually have notes about how anti-feminist this movie yeah. is and, right. I, and I will divulge my little theory about uh, Heather and the triple goddess in a minute because obviously I've been reading way too much of the monstrous feminine but um, at the end of the day when I was watching it all I did was get pissed off at the way those men treated her get pissed off at how 
like I thought about the fact that scenes where she's peeing and stuff like that, like she felt intruded on in real life. How like fuck both of those guys for all the mansplaining and all the blame they put mm. on her. And then like at the end of the day, that infamous scene that I want so much to still love the way I did when I was young. All I could think of was like, no girl, you don't have to apologize. This is not all your fault. Right. Like fucking typical woman blaming bullshit where she i didn't see josh and mike be like i'm so sorry you don't agree jackie no i don't agree at all dude if i was josh or mike i'd be trying to kick her in the cunt too like (laughs) this is her project her i think her apology is so warranted and so necessary this is her project and mike even says i agreed to a scouted out project you're going to tell me that you're going to film a documentary and not actually visit the location of every single place you're going to film. Like now granted I have in my notes about how she is a failed leader, but was it corrupted by the Blair witch? Like, was this all like a domino effect of the Blair witch, but still she fucked up. So I don't really begrudge any of the dudes for being pissy and shitty with her. I do. I do because, at, first of all, they have their own autonomy in life. And second of all, it isn't her fault. They fall into this weird alternate version of reality because well, of supernatural. Right. I get that. They but really, they don't know that. But they're so shitty to her. And then to like th- have a diaper baby tantrum and throw away the map and then let her take the fall. The way that they're so aggressively, almost like verbally violent with her, you I'm sorry, I didn't force you out here. Yes, I'm the leader of this project, but you're here of your own fruition. Like, fuck you. And maybe if they stopped sabotaging her and doubting her at every turn, like, stupid broad, can't read the map, maybe she would have been able to be more effective as a leader. I don't question her leadership. I question their ability to be led by a woman. No, I, I don't agree. I, I, I see, like, she, she I, I think she, she doesn't deserve all of it, but she definitely deserves some of it. She doesn't need to cry about how it's all her fault, though. It's not her fault. The project. It is her fault. It's her project. <laughs> you know, like here's the thing. You know, when when you're when you're in management, everything is your fault. You know, tell me tell me that it's not true like that. You know, and sure, it sucks that she's a woman, and I guarantee you, it's 1999, and they're very threatened by a female leader. They're very threatened by having to take instruction from a woman. I don't doubt that. But Jackie. I'm not saying she isn't deserved of some of that animosity. It, it's funny to hear you say that because, and this could, maybe I'll take the controversy onto myself from both of you now, but here's the thought I was having watching it. It made me think, and this is very, very selfish because I'm a product of the 80s and 90s, okay? But I will say it this way. It made me think that the, that the, prob, that the misogyny that the society is, is rightfully rebelling against now is more a product of 2000 to 2020 than it was of 1990 to 1999. Mm -hmm. Because I thought that, I think that women in the nineties were a lot, were uh, were different, were built differently. The sensibility was different. And I think that the nineties were less to blame for the, the, the the fallout that we're facing right now than were the early 2000s culturally. Saying that, I will say this. I was mad at the men in 1999 for a different reason than I was mad at them in 2020. I hated Mikey when I saw this movie when it first came out because I I, I, I hinged all of it on throwing the map away. And I don't know yes. why I was so mad at him in, when I saw this movie in the 90s that throwing the map away was everything. Move. It's a shit move. <laughs> what I couldn't get over on this watch, first of all, Heather Donahue's performance is far and away the linchpin of the whole movie. The guys break over and over again. The guys do so many things that I want to call bullshit on, but she never does. She is always this great mix of vulnerable, but putting on an air of like, trying to be in Fuck you, I'm in charge, which I'm sorry, but that was every teenage girl I knew growing up. Overalls, hair pulled back, flannel shirt on, and tough. I mean, to me, girls just seem tougher. And, I'm not, and I'm, I'm, I don't want you guys to get emails from girls from the early 2000s. Yeah, they're triggered. But 90s girls, and I know I'm talking to two of them right now, mm-hmm. 90s girls were badass. Like, That's why Jackie they, is as badass No, as but I, I'm kind of not kidding. 
I think you guys were were a part of a of a movement that almost rivaled today, where women had a moment of like, "Fuck you, we're gonna wear what we want to wear, we're gonna dress bad." But it was the fringe. Gonna... It was the fr- the difference then was, was that in the nineties, it Is was just the, the people we knew. We only hung out with each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I was> just... <laughs> If, while Maybe. I will post, okay. like while I will totally agree with you that the, in the 2000s we lost away a bit. In the 90s we were the fringe. Like not every girl listened to Tori Amos. I got shit on by every girl I knew See, for wearing flannel shirts. Every girl I knew was like that. That's because that's the only girls you could land back then. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fair. That's and most true. of them are lesbians. <laughs> anyway. yeah. well, also true. Also true. That's a different episode. Yeah, that's either here or there. <laughs> Um, about that in the early the early men of Beverly Hills. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just booked your first guest. Yeah, um, no, at the end of the day, you're right. In the 90s, there was, but that to me was a fringe movement okay, that was like fair. the sprinkling of the start of something. Like we, I'd like to think the early 90s kind of sparked the fire. In the 80s, and I love these women with all my heart, like Amelia Kincaid and, and Lavea Quigley, they just didn't care about showing yeah. TNA and being completely uh, submissive and, but you know. being tough about it. But they were tough and, in the 80s but, but, about it. They see, just didn't care. The air they were of okay toughness with it. is right. what makes Blair Witch work. Correct. Because Heather Donahue has that same thing. So in a way, you're both right, I think. Oh, I'll take because, that. Yeah. Because both things work in the movie, and the complexity of that works. True. And if that complexity wasn't there, I don't think I'd be as into the movie. And that's fair. But when you watch it today, you also think, is the reason why Heather Donahue is so much better is because she was being legitimately tortured while the dudes were kind of just faux torturing each other. Yeah, agreed. And I think it's smart that you say we're both right, because at the end of the day, we are both 90s feminists who wear flannel shirts. And are the overalls not cool anymore? I'm a little worried. No, overalls are making a comeback, actually. Hey. Yeah, now, but forever they were not, though. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, they definitely fell out of favor. Um, I mean, Lord knows I've been, I've been harassed on this show about my 90s attire, so... Jackie doesn't does. want to acknowledge that the 2000s and beyond it, exist. <laughs> it's funny to hear Charlie go. The, one of the first things Charlie said was, oh, God, these these people look so 90s. <laughs> like, and they talk so 90s. And, like, Finn kept saying, why are they calling the girl man? And okay. I was like, oh, I don't think Back we would have thought of that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Do we think about that now? I call everybody he, dude. They, they both did. They were both really thrown by the language. Yeah. And the clothing, obviously. Right. Well, the but, clothing. They were yeah. in the woods, to be fair. So their flannels were more appropriate than ever. Yeah, but that's yeah. how it does all the time. I, well, no, I, I agree that I think there is, I know that, and I've seen friends post about this on Facebook. I know there is a movement to lessen the term guys because it's like when you're like, hey guys, what's up? Hey, right. People yeah. will now say, like, you know what? Can you change your language? I'm not a guy. I don't want to be addressed that way. Yeah. Um, so it could be. Uh, Marissa, for me personally, the scene in the very beginning when they're in the hotel room and they're just hanging out, kind of drinking, smoking cigarettes. Yeah. I was like, oh God, that was, that was us. <laughs> That's us in your dorm. <laughs> Dude, but let me make you, you guys would also be hanging with a bunch of dudes. We would. Yes. Yeah. And I think that today I was like, what is she doing in a hotel room with two dudes who she barely, she barely knows Mikey. And right. it's even questionable how well she knows Josh. She doesn't at all. She, it's is supposed that, to be that she, she just needs a Right, yeah. so that's, that's Yeah, a in real life, you do carry a knife I, in I that don't situation. think I would have ever had that thought in 1999. No. So maybe that's just me being more woke to the danger? You're just as a father a man? now. <laughs> right, or maybe. Well, but whatever. Maybe, what I, I think it's easier for any young person to say, huh, I'm troubled by these dynamics. And maybe that's right. a good thing for us culturally. I know. I Thank know. God. Yeah. Thank God. So let's talk about the Wishy for a little bit. Aww. Shall we? The little Blair the Witch? Wishy, you take the good, you take, take the, the bad. You take them both. There, there you have. Yep. Blair Witch Project. I, if it was Blair from the, the fucking facts of life, that is the <laughs> only way this movie could have been better. Like, I'm just going to say. the house and she's blow drying her hair. And <laughs> that would be the best fucking movie ever. That would oh be like the Casablanca. Oh my god, yeah. We would have just We would have this podcast. <laughs> yeah. My head would have exploded. <laughs> they get there and Joe's on her motorcycle and out back. <laughs> um so so Jackie, and I hate to say this because I don't mean it imputed in any sort of punitive way, but as our witch expert, <laughs> what do you like um Talk to me a little bit about how this parallels more, because I do think there's a really interesting kind of like correlation between like Salem witch ideology and this. I think it's interesting that they put this in Maryland because you still have this colonial vibe to it, but it's not Salem. Talk to me a little bit about what you think the Wishy is supposed to be for us. Like, why can't we see her? Why can't I see like the Looney Tunes witch at the end of all this from Hell's Up? <laughs> that would be great if it was her. That would be fantastic. 
fantastic. Or the, or the witch from the sword in the stone. I, I would take either witch. I like both of them. The, 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 the mop, the mop white hair. I love it. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't, to me, because I, I think honestly, for reasons we've already gone over, um, you know, you think about it, they, this is, this is independent film. This is low budget. So, and it's 1999. So if there's going to be any CGI, you know, it's not going to look good because there's no budget. <laughs> it's not going to look good. It's going to be worse than Scorpion King. And that was real, real bad. Um, <laughs> and I think that there is just no way to do this justice, low budget, practically. You know, when, when you've got that, what's the character, Mary Brown talking about her you know, horse hair or like hair covering her and she's got the long robe. And when you open the robe, there's all the hair. Like, I just don't think there's a way to do this that would achieve the effect that we have now. I think Joe said it perfectly that if we had seen the witch, we're not sitting here today talking about Blair Witch. Um, as far as, uh, as far as the mythology, I mean, they're kind of spot on with you know, and it's something you've talked about on the show before, the idea of the old crone. You have an unwed lady um, who, you know, is the monster, is the child killer, which is something that's going to kind of tie into the next movie. You know, you've got, it's, it's the, um, oh, I forget what you've, you've talked about it before. The, the, I guess it's like the crone versus the maiden, basically. Triple goddess theory is, and uh, actually what a great segue, Jackie, because that's exactly, I'm so... I'm so proud of you right now because this is exactly the theory I want to explore. But yeah, to, I don't want to cut you off. Just it's a, the theory that women fall into one of three categories in their lifetime. They are the maiden. Then they eventually become the mother, which is like being equated with like being the woods. You're taking care of things. Your job is to be one with nature and care for that around you. And then eventually you're the crone. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't always get to be all three, but you're going to be one or three of them. And you're always going to end at that very point, which is the old crazy bitch who just wants youth and just is evil and, and kind of abjects from society because you have nowhere else to be. So I'm gonna let you finish your point that I'm gonna do my theory on the Blair Witch. Well, no, actually that kind of, that kind of wraps it up for me and that, that, you know, you've got the old crone, you've got the monster, um, and then Heather, is the Heather essentially be, gets to become a version of that. Um, you know, again, they're corrupted, they're in this alternate reality that they don't realize they're in, but she, quite literally ends up with their blood on her hands. I mean, they kind of, you know, Wait. they were a little on the nose with that. Um, but she, she ends up with their, with their blood on her hands and where, you know, the Blair Witch is the, the monster. She's the big bad. In an essence, Heather herself also becomes, she, she's marked as the villain. Oh my God, I can go home. You don't even need me anymore because that is exactly what I was going to, that's all I bring to the table. So if you start doing that too, there's nothing for left for me. <laughs> Will I, you give me a boobless movie? I have to find something to talk about. Uh, no, it's so true. That's exactly how I feel. By the end of the film, Heather is the witch. Not only in the way that she's blamed for everything, she is scapegoated. She kind of takes on that responsibility for herself. But like any good crone, she is now lost in this alternate reality where she is completely separated from humanity and from society. And, and basically by breaking her agreement with the world, by trying to be the leader, by trying to do this documentary, by trying to, to you know, control these men, she becomes the witch. Right. And, and I think that that's so true. And it's one of the things I like playing with with this film. Yeah, and I think that what, if you, your guys' theory leads to a completely different read of the movie, and that is not that you do not see the witch, but that the witch is uh, Heather. It yeah. is the Any protagonist. Female who, right. um, and, you know, that would then even speak to why she doesn't have any other women on her team because the entire um you know prototype of that or the uh the, the character archetype kind of fits that bill another thing that i think fits the mythological read of this i, I found myself kind of troubled by the blaming of heather and then as i was thinking backwards in the blaming of heather and who really deserves blame and why in the 90s i was so quick to blame mikey and yet i was less <laughs> apt to do that today I started thinking about, okay, at what point are they lost, right? If you, if you want to read the movie as they're lost from the moment they walk out of the car and walk into the woods, it fits the Joseph Campbell mythological model because of those two fishermen. 
because then those two fishermen become the Joseph Campbell like harbingers. Yeah. That final word of like, You're don't do right. it. And that guy, that fisherman, does the like, you kids oh, are they're never going to learn. Harbingers. So yep. they're they're the like, they're the moment where you either turn back. Right. Or you become that thing you're seeking. Yep. And so that fits what you guys are saying right, the about harbinger, the mythology. A hundred percent. And I and I like that about this film. I like that there's a little meat to gnaw on, on these bones. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think that it's interesting to see, like, and and you know, like whether or not the ending is still works in our modern day where we're so much more inclined to show everything like and the the Blair Witch redo that that came out is such proof positive of this since we're not going to tackle this like directly because probably Jackie refuses to acknowledge its existence I didn't even know it oh yeah there's a new one and I gotta say I'm here for it like I actually watched it for the show we did we Blair Witch in it yeah, yeah. yeah and so basically it's Heather's brother goes to the woods to find Heather and if you guys want to give it a shot, I'll happily watch it with you. But it's very much shows so much more than the original ever one. Right. And so I can't decide if it's like we as who we are, our generational viewing tastes are like, yes, don't show it. Or if you wanted to see The Witch, Chuck. I mean, every horror movie I watch, you know, I, I go to my friend's house, you know, and we always watch a horror movie. I feel betrayed, but, but continue. For them, it's all. The horror movies in my time show everything. Yeah. And when they watch a horror movie, they want to watch a horror movie that shows everything because those are more fun to watch for us. But a movie like this was cool for me to watch because you never see it and you mm. spend your whole time thinking, which is, you know, is not a movie I would want to go watch with my friends. I'd rather watch a movie where everything's like in your face and really like a lot to watch. But this one was cool because. All you have to see at the end is Mikey in the corner. Yeah. That's all you need to see and you know. And it's terrifying. You know, right? like, it's, it's so. real. It, it's it's yeah. there. But, I mean, I, th- I, thought, I thought it was good to not see it. Because, I mean, if you think of any, I, I don't, I can't come up with an example right now. But anything you see, you see it. Like and anything just like, Rob Zombie's done or any modern slashers. They're yeah. all in your face. Which I hate everything but the oh, tone of it. all those. But like, so I think for a movie to transcend into being like considered a classic. And, and Jackie, I feel like you're kind of close to wanting to call this a classic. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But I know Marissa's just short of that. But like, what did it for me and what really put it over the edge when I rewatched last night was I, I think a movie shows its metal when an issue that it could not have possibly wanted to address becomes relevant through a viewing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what makes a film really great. And last night when I watched The Blair Witch, there's that scene where Josh is taping her. Yeah. I and he says, mm. oh, I get now why you're doing this. Um, because look at how everything looks things don't look real through the lens. I see now why you're doing this to us. Because when I'm looking at you through the camera, when I look at you on the screen, I can almost believe that this isn't real. And in 1999, you were like, what a dick. Like he will not, like, this is not the time to be such an asshole. Like you can't get over how he's doing that to her. But in 2020, you're like, oh shit, that's Mm -hmm. every young person today. That's Instagram, that's Snapchat. That is the entire fucking culture is look at it through the screen because on the screen, it's not real. Look at it through the filter because on the filter, it's easier to, to stomach all of reality. And we are literally sitting in a global pandemic that we would have had no idea how to filter if it happened when the Blair Witch Project came out. But because it's happening at a time when people are spending time at home on their screens anyway, it is almost more palatable. Mm-hmm. Because you can look at it through the lens of Instagram and Facebook and whatever the hell else people are on that I probably don't even know about. But that moment and her face where she's so like mad, but also like there's a truth to what this viciousness that he's spilling at her, man, that really got me. That that really got me on a rewatch today. I thought that put the movie at a whole different place. Mm -hmm. For me, coming from the generation that I'm I'm criticizing. Everyone I know, you know, records everything. You know, when when a kid at lunchtime went in the middle of the gym and started riding on his heelys around, everybody takes out their phone, you know, because yeah. yeah. you want to you want to save that. But but like I feel like what what was 
what more scared me about this movie than the witch was like the the, the kind of like the journey they take and getting lost because then like when those cameras are down you're just in the middle of the woods right and i feel like everyone yeah. everyone you're recording that's so everyone profound, yeah. everyone recording nowadays like when you put down the phone and you stop recording on snapchat you're then lost like, in the woods where yeah. are you yeah. Because, right? like, you oh see videos of people, yeah. like, you know, like, recording all happy and then everybody stops. Oh, my right? God. The recording's was, over. Where recording's are you? Over, Somebody get this need... kid a spot on the Jersey Bulls. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's so profound. To, yeah, that's true. We don't need to be happy anymore. And that that fight of, like, why are you still recording? Why are you still recording? doesn't even mean anything today. No. Because yeah. people would be recording. Oh, my God. People would not To the moment off. of their yeah. death. Yeah. With yeah. remorse. Right. So the idea that Mikey and Josh are like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? washes over a modern audience absolutely because you're like of course she's still recording yeah because that's the only way because, that we're really living right and when you put down the camera like he said you're just it lost stops. in the woods right like and and, and that's his generation so much more than ours but we're i mean we're getting there too don't get me wrong but yeah it's it's such an interesting idea to be like once you put down that camera and there's no more like lens between you and the real world yeah. it's a whole different fucking but also you kind of have to stop yourself too because like when I know I've had this conversation with myself. It's like the more you record, the less you're enjoying. Actually, it, it, experiencing. Because, 100%. Like, it, it's tough because it's what everyone does. It's like when something funny happens, you know, you you record it or you take a picture of it. And even like when something frightening happens, you record it. When something confrontational right. happens, you, you record guys it. Yeah, like it. all the Your videos of that, still that record. record. And that's not the case for our generation. Our generation, right? Like, Jackie, I don't want to speak. I don't ever think, oh, I need to record this. <laughs> like, Yeah, you know, honestly, if it's not, it, like, the only time I have the instinct of, oh, I want to record this is, like, when I'm with my dog. Like, that's, like, if you, if you look on my Instagram, it's pretty much, like, pictures of my dog. I cracked a pack of Magic the Gathering cards and look at this card I got. Like, there's really not selfies on my Instagram. My Instagram is memes, pictures of my dog the occasional food like food picture Not me. i don't know it's 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 far and few between Blue, yeah. you name it i'm selfieing no i don't think i've ever posted a selfie just like in earnest to social media and when i do take a selfie usually it's because i'm really excited about what's behind me like when i went camping and i was like oh this is an awesome view i'm gonna say and it's like me looking all wonky while i try to figure out the background behind me but yeah you're right like it's not our instinct and it's fascinating to see it play out in this film in a way that it can't play out today and and unfortunately i think her response to that at one point when she kind of breaks down and her response to it is this is all i have this is all i have left like that's her last grip on her sanity is into the internet like when you think about it you know like on a metaphorical level she was every single kid in 1999 going to a time where we could never take back the internet and and all of this technology right and but my point is from a perspective of of looking at it for, as film history what 21 year old protagonist so succinctly understands that communicates the exact plight of every young girl say i i don't know how to stop doing tiktok because i don't know how else to live right and that's what she's saying. It's true, because if I'm not doing You're a Savage, then ratchet, I don't know who I right, am. Yeah, Pidgey, know, bougie, bougie, ratchet. ratchet right, yeah. Acting, stupid. Don't act like you don't know the whole thing, because I, I call baloney. Right. <laughs> um, and Jackie, you have no idea. She's like, what in Sam hell are they talking, talking about? I'm hip. You just have young girls in your house. That's why you That's know why that. I know Savage. Yeah. That's right. Oh, oh, you girls keep me young. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, you're, you're, guys, I hate to say, but you're, you're pushing me over into the, yeah, this is a classic. Well, can I, can I make one more point too? Is sure. it possible that this is a movie about how your own art will eat you alive? My God. Because, and this is a thought I had last night too, what, what really struck me this time when I was no longer so tied up in the, is this real or not thing was that they put themselves in the woods pursuing this thing that then came and destroyed them. Which is what we all do. And when you think about it from the perspective of like this thing I'm writing, this thing I'm creating, my podcast, my my book that I've been working on the last eight years, you, we all have this moment in the pursuit of art where we're like, why the fuck am I doing this to myself? Frankly, I think if you don't have that moment, you're not an artist. Like th- it is a call of any career devoted to the arts where you're Great. like, I put myself in the woods. Yeah. I'm here because I'm an idiot. And, and I couldn't right. stop doing that. I couldn't just live a normal life. 
I couldn't just get up and go to work every day and be done with it. I have to be writing or I have to be recording or I have to be producing. And I, I really related to that this time where I was like, shit, that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. I feel like I wake up in the middle of the night in the woods or I walk for a day and I'm in the same spot. And I say, you know, why did I walk for a day? Right. Because I put myself here because I couldn't stop living this life in pursuit of this thing that has eluded so many. So the idea that the witch is a legend that was existing before them in a way is, is completely just is yeah. an indictment of the idea of filmmaking itself. So in a way, it's cool that a movie that was so innovatively artistically done is really about the idea of doing artistic guerrilla movies. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. Very yeah, meta. you guys sold me. Yeah, very meta. Very meta. Very meta. Very, very meta for a time when no one knew what the term meta, meta was. Meta. Yeah. Meta. And very hashtag me too, without it ever knowing. <laughs> um, but you guys are right. And, and Jackie, yeah, I feel like every time I, I watch this movie, I do remember why I loved it. And so I think, yeah, I would be willing to put it in. I don't think it's going to make my, my top. But it'll it's it's a it's a classic. There, I would I would officially put it on that list. I was yeah. This was one of the very few horror movies in my I'm gonna say in my adult life and saying adult life, you know, my high school and beyond life. This is one of the very few movies that when I went to bed that night, I I was scared. Like I had to like, you know, just let me just double check under the bed to look for that thing, or let me just make sure my shoes are in the closet where they should be and is there monsters no no monsters okay I, like this was one of the few <laughs> in my adult life that that kept me up and and, and i mean like the like i went to see it in the movie theater came home that night and was so unsettled maybe that's a better word than scared i was so unsettled by everything that happened in the movie and i mean i mean I, obviously i know that in you know in this day and age, people still can get lost. People still do get lost. But in 1999, you know, the Joe, regular Joe didn't have GPS. You know, if you weren't an avid hiker, you didn't have any sort of, you know, even the crudest of GPS elements. Like, you could absolutely get lost in 1999. So that idea was unsettling. You know, the moment when they walk into that one clearing and there's all those stick men just hanging in the trees, that is super unsettling. The idea that they are being followed step by step through this entire, you know, amount of days. And then the, the rock piles and Josh goes missing, hearing Josh scream in the distance and they're completely helpless to do anything. Apparently. They don't even know what direction to go in because it's coming from all sides. This movie just is so unsettling and so effective. That's why it's in like a top 15 for me. Like that's why I will, it's a, it's a Jackie classic. I don't know if it's necessarily universally considered a, like a horror classic. It's a Jackie classic though. And it you know, by some, it's very polarizing. On yeah. Letterboxd, it has it's a very, lot of yeah. fours and fives and a lot of ones and twos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would also say that in, in the realm of Jackie classics, yeah, I'm here for it. Unsettling is a perfect word. And I think even the bickering and discomfort and real uh, friction between all three of them, it, it helps contribute to that just unsettled feeling. I could lie and say that I, I wasn't scared either until I saw this movie, but unfortunately my brother who's known me my whole life is sitting five feet away from me. So I'm scared of every movie and have to check under the bed, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, this one really did kind of leave a really... Um, unsettling feeling. And speaking of unsettling, what better time to transition into Blair Witch 2, <laughs> Book of Shadows? <laughs> good one. Good segue. Woo, Very I good segue. So, like, it comes out a year later. It, it is a rushed sequel, no <laughs> doubt. And I think, so I'm going to say that I don't hate this movie. I, I like it. It's okay. I think on paper, the concept of this movie is good. Because you can't just repeat, like if you're going to have a Blair Witch sequel, you can't just repeat the same formula. It's never going to work again. Like that is like the lightning in a bottle situation. So for a sequel, you can't throw kids in the woods and, and, and do what you did in the first one. So I think on paper, the idea that they were trying to do, like or the concept they were trying to do in Blair Witch 2, I like the concept. They didn't <laughs> execute it. perfectly execute it, but I saw little nuggets in there that I liked. It's, it's like it's like so many horror movies who miss the mark. It's like they have these fascinating little nuggets, but they just don't quite get there. So here's my one yeah. thing. 
and I'm going to take off my podcasting and uh, literary hat for a moment, put my mental health professional hat on and be like, can we please stop portraying every, in 2000, they were not injecting people up their noses with, with goo. Okay. Can we like maybe tone down the, we're going to pretend it's 1920 um, stereotypes about mental health facilities because it grads my gears. Um, but yeah, no, Jackie, I agree with you. I think it, it, it tries to do something different, which I think is, is deserving of a, a look, but mm-hmm. it just misses the mark. And whenever it tries to develop something interesting, it fails to take it all the way. My biggest example being Steven's thesis, right? And who doesn't love an adorably stressed out master's and uh, PhD uh, candidate? But at the end of the day, like, Yes, it's fascinating to look at this notion that myths can become reality. I'd love to have that philosophical discussion, but Stephen, you're just a mansplaining little turd, and I don't want to hear it from you. So, okay, did you guys watch this one? Uh, uh, I only saw record? it when I originally saw it, okay. and I hated it. It was, yeah. yeah. Good yeah. track, though. Well, you know what, and it's so funny because in, you know, Blair Witch is 99, and then you get Book of Shadows in 2000. So it's just that, you know, it's that one year difference. But suddenly, Book of Shadows is so quintessential 2000, early 2000s horror movie, complete with a fucking Marilyn Manson opening song. Like, if you don't have Marilyn Manson, it just it reeks of, it just reeks of early 2000s, and it's just so tonally different. Which again, I commended five seconds ago. So I'm not trying to be too hypocritical, but it just. I don't know. It just, like I said, the concept is there. Um, visually, I like it. It's not terrible. I don't. I don't know. Like it's. Can it continued. It continued to play on the whole. You know, the the woman who had. You know, the woman was pregnant. Uh, Tristan was pregnant, and she didn't want to keep the baby. You know, and then her partner, he wanted to keep the baby. But then she ends up having a miscarriage. She is a baby killer, a child killer. Therefore, you know, the Blair witch is in her and she's the witch and the crone and the whole, we get back to the evil woman thing. Took all the stupid ideas that they were playing with interestingly in the first one. And they were like, let's really just lay this all out for the dumb people in the back. Because it's, that's what's like frustrating to me. And you know, I like a good, like, over explaining movie but this one like so first of all the, the lead guy is like a poor man's james franco did anybody else catch <laughs> that uh, besides me and also you're right like these issues of like so the one woman wants an abortion and can't get one the other woman's a wicked and the third woman's a goth like it's mm-hmm. so it's so poorly veiled like whereas heather was interesting because she wasn't anything so overt but you're right jackie i think it just falls into the trap of the huge difference between 1999 and 2000 where- 2000 yeah no i was just going to say it's so it's it's just so amazing that like we just spent pretty much a solid hour really having a great discussion about a great movie I've already gone through all my notes for Book of Shadows. Like, that's it. Like, I'm done. I got nothing else. It was okay. I'll watch it if it comes on. I'll never seek it out. But, meh. You, you know, I think it's interesting, Jackie, that you opened with the fact that there was only one year between the movies. Because in a lot of ways, that's the only thing that's interesting about Book of Shadows is that it, it really does, like, tell the story of filmmaking in a very short amount of time, right? Because in the late night, so Artisan, it's what, what Artisan was and what a, a, a filmmaking company like Artisan would become in a few short years is, is very much like the difference between Miramax in the early 90s, mid 90s, and then Miramax in the late 90s, the Disney acquisition, and just the way that indie movie, and let's not even get into the Harvey Weinstein thing, but the way that like indie movies were very quickly not really indie movies right, they just got eaten up by the system and yeah. were taken on by the system that was pretending that they were something because as kids of the 90s we only liked crap that wasn't mainstream because we were alternative y'all we yeah. were like <laughs> and our generation really was like oh if that's popular screw it like what's your one major criticism of me for everything popular things we watched get out and you were dissatisfied as soon as i think everyone likes something charlie's like you're gonna hate it because you think yeah Yeah. he gets gets mad at me for liking michael jordan 
What Who doesn't I, like Michael Jordan, bro? Uh, he's no, a goddamn I, treasure. But I'm saying he's a national treasure. That's what he also. Yeah, that's it. That's, that would actually be my second criticism: <laughs> is that everyone I say I don't like, he says they're a national treasure. <laughs> so, Michael Jordan's a national, national but, treasure. But I don't think what Charlie doesn't see is that that's very that much a, a product of my generation, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm the same way. You too. The two of you should shake hands. Y'all are like. <laughs> We wanted things that had a message. We no, wanted things Lord. that were made against the time and the grain of what was cool. That's what we wanted. But strangely, very quickly, and in a way, the difference between 1999 and 2000 was this very fact that, you, that major studios co-opted that coolness, just mm-hmm. like they did with music and just like they did with right. television, but they fucked it up. and fucked it up by turning it into the thing we hated. And for a little while, we weren't sure how to feel. Right. Because, you, you know, that new line. Hot Topic. The it's the Hot Topic Syndrome. Right. It's Hot That's, Topic Syndrome. Right. Explain it for the yeah. people at home. So, right. I think you're so right So for on. Charlie yeah. and the youngins. Right, right. The Hot Topic Syndrome is basically when all of our cool, wacky, alternative shit, before hipsters were even a fucking thought, right. got bought up and corporatized and homogenized and made for the masses. So now instead of just having, you had to go to the band's concert to get the really cool band t-shirt, right. you could just go to Hot Topic and buy the t-shirt. And, and we didn't know how to feel. And because people we, were right. like, oh, well, his shirt doesn't have the dates on the back. Right. It's not so real. It's not real. Whereas our generation was like, wait, how the fuck does his shirt not have the dates on the back? Right. Because yeah. we didn't even fucking know you could buy right. that okay. shit right. somewhere besides the concert. Right. And that's why, and that's why we were New Line Cinema meant something to us. Miramax, Artisan, Absolutely. these are names that yep. meant something. And, right. we, and, and I'm not going to perpetrate. We didn't know that shit had been bought no, out until later. Until it was too late, right? We didn't, and and then we, and then we're dealing with the fallout of it. You're right. The, I will say there's that. two parties though. There's you and Jackie who have to lay on that, who have will die in that, in that, like on that hill. And then there's people like me who are like, no, Get Out is great. Michael Jordan's a national treasure. I, it's. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that Jackie. I'll let you defend that, but I don't know that that's fair. It's fair. Y'all, y'all don't like stuff if it's not reminiscent. That's of not it. true. I, I love Jeopardy. Everybody loves Jeopardy. That's because it's from, it started when we were little. I that watched The Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> Jackie, you know what I'm saying though, right? Like I know it's no, how- And you know what? And here's the thing. And here is a flaw about myself that I will freely admit. And I'm trying to not do it, but I think it's called, it's like, what is it? Gatekeeping? Uh, yeah. I, I think that's the term. It's like, I really like a certain thing. And then everybody else likes it. And yeah, I guess that's about like, like, like with Ghostbusters. I mean, we know how I feel about Ghostbusters. And then this other Ghostbusters come out and then suddenly everybody likes Ghostbusters. And I'm sitting there like, well, you, you can't like Ghostbusters. Like that's mine. Like you can't like it because your Ghostbusters is different and not really Ghostbusters. And you can't like my Ghostbusters. Like leave my shit alone. Fun fact about Jackie refuses to watch the new Ghostbusters. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in her world. Yeah, and I love it, but it well, doesn't exist anymore. You're really, you were, I'm sure, I don't mean to put words, but I'm sure you were really drawn to the the, the gender empowerment. Well, because when I was a little girl, there was no being a female. That's true, yeah, sister. right. Though you were. I you was. Were. Oh, I was a goddamn, I <laughs> also, killed it. As Peter you Mike. also played, uh, played wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I was Indiana Jones. I wasn't going to let gender stop me, girl. <laughs> but well, no, but it's true. Like, it's, it's, it's incredibly. Gatekeeping is hard to understand for people not our age, Jackie. Because, yeah. because, because of the ubiquity of channels now. Like, when we were young, you had to work to get shit that was cool. Yeah. And then very quickly, we came to resent people who didn't do that work. Correct. So, yeah. That's, a, that's good. I like that. Although, I don't know how hard I really had to work because I basically just stole it all from my brother. But, you know, there was effort there. So, <laughs> Not true, though, because you just said that to be up on something, you had to drive your ass to Philly. We live in a time when that shit would have been on demand. Yeah. <laughs> you would have paid 10 bucks and that would have been your big sacrifice. You drove to a major city. Like, yeah. Live in the middle of the... Like, I tell Charlie all the time, I used to have to write away to the 10 Club in Seattle to get, get the CD singles from Pearl Jam. Yep. And he had to write away for his little orphan Eddie decoder yeah. ring. So he could- <laughs> no, pretty much. That's the way you had to do it. On the back of my 10 cassette tape, <laughs> it gives you the address for the Pearl Jam fan club, the 10 club. Right. And you literally had to write in 
you sent, you know, your check or your credit card numbers or whatever your parents or your money order, whatever you did. And you literally had to mail it to Seattle and you do that every year. And that's how you get your Christmas single. Road to 7-Eleven. I took my fucking $15 and got a money order. I went to the post office. That's I got right. a stamp. And I they came did home. this with no shoes, Charlie. In the snow, back and forth. <laughs> also, any better could be like, drink more oval tea. <laughs> you got it, buddy. No, the, one of my favorite shirts in high school is I had a scratch and sniff tricks shirt. And to get said scratch and sniff tricks shirt that's literally had the tricks logo it had fruit and it had the rabbit on it and it, you scratch and sniffed it smelled on your boobs it smelled like so inappropriate so inappropriate it smelled like trick cereal and i had to i think it was like three proof of purchases cut off from the box plus ten dollars that you mail away for to get this fucking shirt hey everybody marissa here well i don't know about you but i would totally scratch and sniff her shirt Unfortunately, whether the Blair Witch got fed up with our facts of life jokes or Summer just did its thing, we had a huge power outage at Jersey Ghoul's headquarters right smack in the middle of our talk. On the plus side, that means that I'm obviously right and Joe and Jackie were both obviously wrong. Well, just kidding. Mostly. But you want some more good news? Blair Witch 2 is pretty much total garbage. However, I do want to take a moment to thank our guests for another awesome discussion on Blair Witch 1 and 2. Joe Costal can be found at JoeCostal.com, where you can read some of his awesome work. You can also join him at Murphy Writing's Beginning Your Novel Workshop by registering at MurphyWriting.com. Seriously, though, if you're a writer and you want to get even better, check out this guy's work. And I'm not just saying that because he's my brother. In fact, it really pains me to say that because he's my brother. Also, thanks to my nephew for taking time out of his part-time job making french fries, high school shenanigans, and overall team awesomeness and angst to join us. Seriously, Charlie, you are awesome, and thank you. Please keep your ears open, everyone, as we anxiously await the launch of his show, The Early Early Show with Charlie Costal. Uh, since Jackie's not here to make us sound professional, I'm just going to say thanks so much for tuning in. Please remember to give us a like and share, rate us on iTunes, and don't forget to comment on anything you see and love. And yeah, that's it for me. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. When I look out my window Many sights to see And when I look in my window So many different people to be That it's strange You're listening to the Geekscape Network 